Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. And so we're challenged because we live in a culture that views sin as something that is not really what God says it is. We view sin as, oh, does God really require me to not do this, to not go here, to not touch this? Uh, 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 is, 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 is God really a God who doesn't want me to be pleased in my life and have the ability to do the things that I want to do with my own life? And the notion of sin has become an archaic thought. The notion of sin has become an archaic thought. And so even in the church, because for years, church was pushing back on culture and said, no, sin is a real thing. And uh, unfortunately, to our detriment, we've uh, put guardrails around things sometimes that God hasn't necessarily said is sin. But we want to keep people and prevent people from sinning. So we put those things up and then culture begins to say, you know what, the church, y'all are a bunch of hypocrites and, and they don't even say that in the Bible and all this kind of stuff. And then slowly over time, what's happened is this position on sin has crept into the church. And so now we're, we're in the church and we don't really understand sin either. And we kind of do as the world does. We go the way that the world goes. And that's opposite of what God intends. God intends for those who are believers. When I say church, I'm not just talking about the local church. When I say church, I'm talking about those collectively who are part of the universal church that God has called out to be a light to the world. He didn't call us to be a hammer to the world or a whip to the world. Where we go and we beat the world down. He says, no, go and be a light. Go and live in front of them a life that is worthy of the life of Jesus Christ. And some of y'all might be saying, get to the point. I'm going to get to it. Don't worry about it. So perhaps you're sitting in a room today and you're challenged with this very thought. Like, what is sin really? Or maybe you're in a room today and you're struggling with a particular sin. And you just can't shake it. And you think that sin is keeping you away from God. You think that sin is hurting your relationship with God and, and, and you don't know what to do with yourself. And some of us have moved right past that to the point of, well, I've just given up. I've tapped out. I am who I say I am and not who God says I am. I am a sinner, but you leave out the part that you're saved by grace. And so we're going to tackle all of this this morning. So we have a lot of scripture to go over. We're going to take communion. Buckle up. I'm going to move really fast. And if you have any questions, you can email us at elders at any community church. See, my, 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 my problem is sometimes I'm overly thorough and y'all be like, you've been had us in here too long, but I don't want no misunderstandings. And so if I move past something and it sounds kind of sideways and it messes with your theology, listen, email me. I promise you it's probably not what you think I'm saying. I'm just, I'm just going someplace. That makes sense? Amen. Got a lot to cover this morning. And so what is sin? As we talked about here before, sin is an archery term, which just basically means missing the mark. That's so true. God set a standard, God is the standard, and we miss the mark every single day. That's the truth about sin. However, that's not comprehensive enough for some of us. Because if I just understand I missed the mark, you ask, how can I hit the mark? And then when I tell you, you can't hit the mark, you go, well, why even try? 
Another part about sin is sin is a human condition. If you're human, it's part of your condition. Maybe not RJ. He's not quite human. We don't know what he is yet. He might be an alien. But if you're human and you're born of a woman, sin is a part of your condition. You're born with it. Like if you are born with some malformity or with some disease or something like that, the doctor says this is the prognosis. You are born with this. This is who you are. Sin is the same way. Every human who is born is a sinner. Now, I know some of y'all, y'all have babies in your womb right now. You have little baby babies. You say, my baby ain't a sinner. Stop lying. The first time that baby sees something that ain't theirs and they want it, they throw a heavenly holy fit. They will go up to the table. They will take it off the table. And you say, put that back. That's not yours. And the baby inevitably says, mine. Just saying. Your babies are cute, but they sent us. If you don't believe me, take the words, account for it in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. It says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. The Bible also says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You might be saying, when did this happen? Way back in Genesis. Before God even created the law, he told Adam and his beautiful wife Eve, not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They inevitably missed the mark. They went and did it. And because of that, because of their contingent, their condition, two sinners came together and started having children, and then it's passed along in your DNA. You're a sinner. But what we don't understand is we can't overcome sin. Sin happens from the depths of your soul. That's why some of us are challenged and we're wrestling with certain sins, certain addictions, certain things that we know we ought not do. And we, can't, we, 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 we try to just positive think and we try to read self-help books and we try to get people to help us out. We tell our friends, just lock me in a room and, and don't let me out because I'm going to sin. Now, that might work once or twice, but your friends are going to get tired of monitoring you. And we have to understand that sin happens in the depths of our soul. There's something way down deep inside that just gravitates towards not following God's rules. The Bible tells us that our flesh, our nature is at enmity with God. That means extremely hostile. Think war. Think about some of the stuff that we see when we watch the news and we see these two clans that have been fighting for thousands and thousands of years and it ain't no stopping it. Because now you killed my grandma, your my grandma killed my grandma, and your granddad shot my granddad's pig, and there's a Hatfields and McCoys, and they can't just get along. That is a picture of what we are against God. And perfectly honest, we get angry at God, and we shake our fist at God, and why did you create me in the first place? If you knew I was going to wrestle with this stuff. But like I said this morning, we're talking about Jesus being greater than sin. I really want to spend some time there, but we're going to keep moving. God created us way back in humanity past with the ability to connect to him with our deepest and innermost parts, our souls. He connected us, him and he created us to connect 
with him from our souls. If you go to uh, 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 any religious uh, uh, bookstore or thought, you see the whole notion of is man possesses a man is a body that possesses a soul and from the soul are the desires of our life from the soul is where we sin from the soul is where we mess up but also at the soul is where we connect to God some religions have gotten it wrong where they want our souls to be just peaceful and, to, and, and you know we meditate and we do those things and I'm not saying those things are wrong we pray we do those things but ultimately those are those are means to the end. Those are the things that are trying to connect us to God. They're not God themselves. And so we do yoga. We read self-help books. Anybody did a cleansing lately? I don't understand how that cleanses your soul. But boy, the body really feels it. We do meditation. We go spa days. We get in the hammock in the backyard, and we want to get back to God, but that's not what's going to get us back to God. Though we try, though those things are good, they bring peace to our body, it's not the ultimate. Why? Because sin has jacked us all up. And since we're in a culture that doesn't really subscribe to the concept of sin, we must be careful not to lose sight of our soul is all the way jacked up. Y'all looking at me with a blank say, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, your sin is, your, your, your soul is jacked up. And then look at your neighbor and say, I don't know who you're talking to. That's what you thought. That's what you thought when your neighbor said it. See, we don't understand. We don't know how they take a prognosis. Some of y'all, when your neighbor, especially if it's your spouse, turn to you and say, your soul is jacked. I'd be like, who are you talking to? What you think this is? And so today we're going to talk about Jesus being greater than sin, greater than our souls being jacked up. And it's awesome because God wants to connect with us despite us being the ugly girl in the school. God still want to go to prom with you. Aww. Or the fat, I, my wife told me not to talk about fat kids anymore, but the fat kid on the playground. Right? The last kid picked. God still wants you on his team. He sees the prognosis. He understands that you messed up. And in eternity past, he started putting a plan together to get you back to him. And so as we deal with this, as we deal with how God deals with us, we can't negate this thing that he brought to pass called the law. The law. Maybe you've heard of it before. God had rules before he even told uh, 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 Moses about the law, but we're missing the mark way before that, but then God put this stuff in place, this law in place, and we say, why did God give the law? God gave us the law with the express purpose because he's a holy God. He can't live amongst the unholy people, and so he put the law together in order to, so that God wouldn't basically kill our full self. He put guardrails. That's what the law was there for. That's what the commandments are there for, so that we can live amongst a holy God. And most of, most of us, we might say, well, that's just messed up. But no, you don't understand. That's God's way of drawing close to us. That's God's way of saying, I can pallet you if you're doing these things. And then as the law progresses, God then gives us this concept of marriage, the spiritual marriage. Anybody ever heard this? God says that I am your husband. You are my bride. 
Whenever we heard that in Jesus, Jesus is the, bride, uh, the bridegroom, the church is the bride. But here's the thing. God started that way before then. And God understood, even in ancient history, that people couldn't understand the fullness of what it is. And so I'm not, I'm, kids in the room, put your fingers in your ears. See, uh, they didn't have, yeah, you too, RJ. Uh, they didn't have roller coasters and, 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 and hi- these, these thrill-seeking camps where you pay $3,000 to go hike a mountain and all this stuff back then. And so they didn't have a whole lot. They didn't even have cable TV. They didn't have Philo. They didn't have YouTube TV. And so you didn't have nothing to do around there. The funnest thing to do in the village was have a little bit of boom boom. Kids, you can take your ears and hands out your ears. I love it. they like, okay, you can, you can do that now. It's good. And because that was the, the, this ultimate thing that, that brought your soul joy back. And like, that was the ultimate back in the day. Like, you, you standing behind sheep all day to go home, joy. And so God gives us this illustration. Y'all think it's funny. Y'all might think y'all pastor perverted. But when we had those questions, all those, like, like, like 97% of those questions was based around sex. Y'all know y'all some freaks too. And so anyway, so God gives us religious activity, this illustration of boom, boom. I'm going to say boom, boom so the kids, maybe the kids don't know. It's really this boom, boom. In Ray's boom, boom room. And God gives us this intimacy. He, 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 he says, listen, uh, the, the best thing you got, even though it pales in comparison, the best thing you got is this. And so I'm going to give you this illustration of what fellowship and when your soul is being nurtured looks like with me. And so if we're going to tackle sin, we must go to God's view of sin. In Jeremiah chapter 2, Jeremiah goes to the children of Israel after God has given laws that says, this is what allows me to live next to you, to be close to you. And they were like, eh, not doing it. And so God was like, listen, Jeremiah, go tell them fools that you like, if they don't do it, I'm going to send them in exile. They think their soul is, 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 is wanting right now. If they don't do what I ask them to do, I'm going to put them in, they're going to really be sad. And so they didn't really care. But anyway, Jeremiah is told, go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord. I remember the devotion of your youth. Your love as a bride. How you follow me in the wilderness in a land not sown. So basically God said, you understood I was your husband. I remember you were just doe-eyed about me. I had you all out in the wilderness. I tell y'all the story about me. My wife grew up in affluence on the west side of town. When we first got married, she moved into the projects with me, y'all. <laughs> she wouldn't do it now. But back then, you know why? Because she was doe-eyed. She was in love. She was a young bride. I don't care that the walls sweat in the summertime and in the, in the wintertime we can't stay hot or uh, warm enough. But because she was doe That's what God is really saying. Love made you do some crazy things. It made, it made you leave and go out into the wilderness to a land you didn't even know about. God said you were just following me because you was in love. And then the story takes a few turns. Look at verse 5. It says, thus says the Lord, what wrong did your fathers find in me that they went far from me and went after worthlessness and became worthless? They did not say, where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us in the wilderness in a land of deserts and pits? He says, in a land of drought and deep darkness, in a land that none passes through where no man dwells. And I brought you into a plentiful land to enjoy its fruit and its good things. But then you came in, but when you came in, 
you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. Basically, he said, listen, you were in the wilderness. I brought you into this land. It was supposed to be flowing the milk and honey. We're supposed to be fellowshipping together. You're supposed to be an example to the people around you who I am and how good I am. And if they, as they did the things that I was telling you to do, they would have an opportunity to know me as well. But he said, y'all blew it, though. Why? Look at verse uh, 20. I have verse 20 up there. Here we go. He says, for long ago, I broke your yoke and burst your bonds. But you said, I will not serve. Yes, and on every high hill and on every green tree, you bow down like a whore. Most translations mess that up. That word literally means you spread your legs. And what we got to understand about these high places, these are the places of worship. And God was saying, you know what? You started whoring after other stuff to fulfill your soul. Verse 24, he said, a wild donkey used to the wilderness in her heat sniffing the wind. Who can restrain her lust? No one can seek her need weary, worry. Themselves in a month, they will find her. Wow. He said, you are like a donkey in heat. I ain't never seen a donkey in heat, but it must be bad. That's our condition. God has given us this idea of covenant, of marriage with him. And he said, I brought you into this land and you just going and bowing down to all these other things. He said, repent, turn, or you're going to go into exile. And guess what happened? They didn't do it. When we look at them and go, they just wrong for that. If I had God show up in the end, you would do the same thing. The Bible teaches us that those things that happen in the Old Testament are for our learning so that we can understand how we time and time again. I watch it all the time. I say, why these Israelites just can't get it? They can't get it because they can't get it. And God has said, idolatry is adultery. We know around here that we talk about anything that we place above God is idolatry. And some of you are saying, well, I ain't serving no idols. Oh, really? Maybe the idols that you serve you don't think are that bad. And actually, good things can become idols. And so God is trying to get us to develop this strong stance on sin. They were worshiping, they were worshiping inanimate objects. They were worshiping a piece of wood. They melted down the gold around their neck. They, 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 they took their Turkish link off and melted it down and made a calf. Ooh. And then they start worshiping the thing that they had just created. And God says, that's backwards. But they needed to feel this sense of worth in their soul. And guess what? I think we do it all day, every day. We just don't know that we're doing it. I'm going to touch a couple of things. Maybe the idol in your life is you get worth out of being a good parent. I, you know, I, I, God told me to love my kids, and, 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 you, and you get so much worth, and you should get joy out of being a good parent, but you get your very existence from it. You, how do you know that, Pastor Sean? Because if anybody touches one of those little boogers, you about to lose your mind. You forget about God. 
And I'm not saying let people beat your kids. That's not what I'm saying. It's not that kind of church. But some people say something wrong to them or, or look at them side eye. Uh-uh, that's my child. You got and, and you and you up there. I saw a video the other day. This woman pulled the bus driver off the bus and beat up, beat the brakes off of her basically because she said something to her child. I'm like, you, you raising her real well. That child gonna learn real good. Or maybe your spouse is your idol. You have all your worth in 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 in, in, in being a good spouse. Or maybe it's your career. You know, some of y'all in the room. You go to a function, you're waiting for somebody to ask what you do because you do it well. Maybe it's your car that you ain't paid off yet. What do you derive your worth for? Maybe it's your house that you bought. You bought this great big old house. You just had to have this great big old house, and you won't bite nobody over. Nobody know how good it is on the inside. They just know what neighborhood you live in. Maybe it's your body. You work out and you do all the stuff. And again, like I said, these aren't bad things. I've not mentioned one bad thing, have I? Or maybe it's your body. You think you all that. Some of us need to look in the full-length mirror, though. I really did. I, I got to say this. I thought I was all that a couple of days ago. And we were in the bathroom. My daughters, they were doing stuff and they were putting clothes on me. I was like, that shirt make me look fat. Like, at first, they were like, when we, they, they can attest to when we went to the restaurant, I, I like, just pick anything out. I'm going to wear it because, you know, I rock everything good, you know. <laughs> and then they were like, oh, you're good. You're not like a girl because you, you, don't, you don't care what you look like. Like, he just has confidence. Whatever we put on you, they start putting stuff on me. I was like, huh? <laughs> what did that start dropping? They went into my hygiene products. They were going, this all you got? Lotion and Listerine? Your skin ain't glowing. And I was like, my skin don't need to glow. And I started looking, man, my skin do need to glow a little bit. <laughs> they laughing because they put it all on Snapchat for the world to see. So idol is anything that we place above God. Anything we place above God. Because we're trying to draw strength from it. There's a big hole inside of us and anything we place inside of it. And it makes us act stupid when people come after it. Think back to the last time you got rowdy or crunk with somebody. That thing that caused you to do that, idol. Why? Why would you say that? I mean, I just got a little angry. Idol. Because you know what the law has said. You know you're supposed to worship God with, 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 with all that you are. And that thing made you do something that you did not want to do. That is an idol. God said in verse 28, I didn't put it on the slides. You don't have to turn there. But he says, but where are the gods that you made for yourself? Basically. Now that you're in this time of trouble, now that I'm going to come swoop in and show you what's what, where those guys at? That's why when trials and temptations and challenges come into our life, like the supervisor at your job starts tripping out of nowhere. It was a great job. You was ready to go to the social event to tell people what you did for a living. And now you're like, I don't really know if I need to do this for the rest of my life. I need to find another job. God says, when it gets dusty in there, does your world crumble? When the spouse doesn't show you as much as attention as they once were, are you still happy in that marriage? 
when the car starts not smelling new no more and it starts smelling like baby uh, diapers and stuff like that. And that you, you shouldn't buy that minivan in the first place. And everybody looking at you, why'd you get a minivan? And now it ain't cool no more. But when you first got it, it had 14 cup holders. And so those things will fade, those things will fail, and God will swoop in, and God is trying to spend time with you. And so sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, every bad thing that happens is not God. But God will use those bad situations to show you that you're not where you are with him, and then your life crumbles and falls apart. You ain't got to say amen. You can say ouch. We got to stop allowing these outside things to define us. And if they do, you may have an idol on your hand. You might ask, how can I know if I'm elevating things above God? Hmm. Where's Jesus in all of it? Where's Jesus in the pecking order? And God has to recenter us. And the beautiful thing is what we're talking about this morning, now we're getting to the part of the sermon where we're going to learn how do we overcome these things, is that Jesus is greater than our idols. Jesus is greater than our sins. We just have to properly see that. This is what happens. When we sin, we hurt the heart of God. Imagine it. If God were to use the illustration, I brought you out and now you're a whore. And that sounds like one of those movies, like one of those Tyler Perry movies or something, right? Right? I brought you out the hood, put you in this mansion, and now you sleep with somebody else and he throw her out. You know, and that's what God was saying. And so God makes himself vulnerable for us. And so sin expresses, and when God sees sin, he expresses his vulnerability. He's a great big God. He can wipe us out and create some more, but he's making himself, he's putting himself in a posture of being in a relationship with us, even though he knows that we go whoring. And we look at our friends, we, maybe some of the ladies in the room, you got, you, got, you got a girlfriend and all men are dogs and, and they keep going out the dogs and you couldn't turn them. You know what it was like when you, should, when, when, hey, when you went out with them the first time. You'd you be like, no, why are you doing it? And they put themselves in, like, and we say, she's stupid. Or dudes, you go to the strip club and, and, and you start dating a stripper. And I'm saying, if you, you, like, listen, 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 listen. But then she don't want to quit the job. And then you mad because she don't want to quit because you want to rescue her like uh, a Richard Greer and Pretty Woman. God knows these things ahead of time, and he still enters the relationship. He knows that you're going to go whoring. He knows that you're going to pick up an idol right when you walk out those doors, and he said, listen, I'm still in it with you. You are adulterous, but I'm a faithful husband. I won't leave you, nor will I forsake you. And so when we understand that it breaks God's heart when we sin, maybe we'll stop sinning. Or maybe we'll sin just different until he shows another sin, and you know what I mean. But those things that got you bound, those things that got you trapped, that you keep doing and you keep making excuses for, I think you don't understand what it's doing to God's heart. God is weeping on the inside. Look at the cross. He's willing to shed his blood for those things that you continuously do. And so until we get the proper perspective of what sin does, we're going to keep on doing it. It ain't no big deal. It's just a little idol. And so instead of God sending us into exile like he did in Jeremiah's prophecy, he sent Jesus to rescue us from our sin. That's what makes him greater than our sin. 
And then he came, and not only did he die for our sin, not only did he rescue us, he didn't go, like, you know, I think we think of Jesus sometimes, like, uh, you know, like, if you ever watch those movies, like, the kids on top of the, on the fourth story floor, and the building's on fire, and the dog's down there barking, and the, the mom wants to run back in, and the fireman goes, no, I got this, and he runs up through all the fire, and he brings the child out, and he drops him off with the blanket, he coughs three times, the paramedics get him, and then the rescuer is gone. Anybody seen one of those movies? If you haven't, I'll afford you a link. That's what we think Jesus did. He came in. We were just stuck in sin. Uh, uh, can't move. And sick quicksand. We're sinking. And Jesus came, threw us a rope. You good? All right. That's not the kind of rescuer Jesus is. He sticks around. He shows us fire safety. Listen, boo-boo, you can't put the, you can't, you can't put the uh, aluminum in the microwave. It's, it's gone. And he walks with us to make sure that we don't get into those situations again, but we don't hear them because we're filling our soul with all these other things. So how do we understand what Jesus is doing? Five-letter word. Some of us hate it. Grace. Grace is God's undeserved, unmerited favor. That means you can't work for it. You can't do enough to deserve it, but you just need to understand it. Give this illustration one more time, and then I'm going to retire it. It's like if someone was coming to my house last night, and they broke in, and they are walking out with the television and the VCR, and they're at the front door in the state of Texas. I have a right under the law to take back what I was mine by force. They were in my premises. I don't know what they're doing. I could take their life, right? That's what the law says. But grace says something different. They could have the VCR. I don't even use VCR anymore anyway. Who got a VHS at the house? Nobody? Okay, good. But grace says, oh, man, you taking my TV in the VCR? Bro, you got the wrong stuff. I got a Blu-ray player back here. And you're going to take it on. The boys upstairs playing the Xbox. Hey, y'all hear him breaking the house? Bring that Xbox down here. Give it to him. Because evidently he needs it. That's what grace does. Grace doesn't give me what the law law says can happen. Grace gives me not only what I need, but it doesn't give me what I deserve. Because I deserve death. But it swoops in and gives me all that I need. Do you have cable at your house? You can't watch this HDTV with no rabbit ears. Let me call the cable company tomorrow and get you what you need so you can watch this TV the way that you want to watch this TV. That's what grace does. God gives us so much more than we can ever think or imagine. But we just have to understand that our soul is all jacked up and grace helps us with that soul issue. Because we often lose sight of who God is. That's what they did when God went to him in Jeremiah. He said, go back and tell him, go ask him what happened. How did their fathers forget that I brought them out of Egypt? How did they experience the grace but not remember the grace and so we don't understand the grace because we don't spend time meditating on grace did you wake up this morning and say i thank you for your grace this morning god or did you wake up and go ah church jesus they sing songs so long and that pastor just yells at us or did you wake up and go god i thank you that i can go worship in in an open and corporate place because there's places in the world that i can't even do this that's a place in the world where I get murdered for trying to even go to church. God, thank you that I have the ability to go and fellowship with the saints. 
God, thank you that I got a car to hop in this morning. Even though that car is a seasonal car, and I don't know what the weather's like today, but even though that car might not make it out of the way to church, I got a car. There's some people ain't got no car this morning. I was in a village in Africa where people would walk two hours to go to church service. And we don't show up if we got a little bit of cough. <laughs> when you get a flat tire, <sighs> can't go to church today. Let it be Monday morning. You're going to put that dummy on there, and you're going to roll up to that job. Because, you know, if you don't show up at that job, you ain't going to be able to afford that car no more that you ain't paid off yet that you love so much. All right, I'm going to move on. This rabbit trails get me in trouble. And so there's a constant spiritual battle that we have to wage in ourselves through the lens of grace in order to overcome sin. And so this morning, check this out, James chapter 1, verse 12. We was in James last week. We're going to read through this. We're gonna, we even got a couple of points, then we're going to take communion. Amen? James 1. Somebody said amen real loud. Ready to go. I promise we're getting out of here. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So when those tests and trials come, that's when our ability to follow God needs to set in. Verse 14. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Wait a minute. The devil ain't tempting me? You mean the devil didn't make me do it? You mean my supervisor didn't make me do it? You think my wife or my husband didn't make me do it? No, he said you are enticed by your own desire. That messed upness on the inside of you. I told you it was all jacked up. You're drawn away and you're lured and enticed by what's on the inside of you. Well, somebody said, well, what if the test comes from God? It still ain't God's fault if, you, if, if, if you're tempted because God doesn't tempt anyone, the Bible says. Right? Miss Alice is a math teacher. And what's inside the student comes out on test day. I don't care if it's a pop quiz or whatever. If you're tested by your math teacher and you get a zero because you didn't know the material, don't blame the math teacher. Well, she tempted me to fail. She made me fail. No, she didn't. She gave you everything you needed in order to pass that test. It was up to you to pass it. And so even if God brings the test, don't blame God if you fail the test. And so we got to see grace in the trial that God has given us what we need. Watch this, verse 15. It says, then when it has conceived, oh, go back to 14, sorry. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has been conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Check this out. Watch this. Watch this. When you're enticed, when that thing on the inside of you is conceived, you know, God's still talking about the boom, boom stuff. And so when it's conceived, it brings forth sin. And so we got to stop it from the conception. Because if it brings forth sin, conception means a baby's coming. That baby's sin. And if we abide and remain in that sin, the Bible says you're going to have a grandchild called death. You can't play with sin. Sin brings death all day, every day. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. You can work all day long sinning, and all you'll get at the end of the day is death. 
And it might not be immediate death like Adam and Eve fell for the okie doke in the garden. You won't surely die, will you? Oh, but you die on the inside. And that's why Jesus came and conquered the grave so that he can overcome sin in our lives. This is every good gift and every perfect gift from above coming down from the Father in lights with whom there is no variation. That's verse 17. Shadow due to change. Of this, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of the truth and should be first, ah, and, should, ah, and we should be a f- kind of first fruits of his creatures. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, Christians, you should be the manifestation of those who are living a life that, is, that, 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 that sin has been conquered in your life so that others can see that you live a life of conquered sin. I didn't make this up. James wrote it. But we walking around just, 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 just dejected, just living sinful like everybody else. And not understanding that we don't have to be bound by it. We don't have to be bound by it. The worst thing that I could, probably the worst thing that I could see is if a billionaire had a, had a son eating out of garbage cans and living homeless. You was something wrong with that. Your daddy has all the resources you need to live a life that's not eaten out of garbage cans. That's how we live as Christians. And we wrongfully apply grace to our life and say, sin, grace. No, you have to meditate on that grace. The Bible says, since I continue to sin that grace may abound, God forbid. And if you're continuing to sin and you don't even care about your sin, I'm not talking about wrestling with sin. I'm talking about you don't even care about the sin no more. Just come on, sin. Do what you want to do. That's an indication that death has already started to settle in. It's already started to settle in. And so how do we overcome this? Verse 19 says, know this, beloved. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Wow, we were talking about souls. Start applying what you're hearing here on Sunday mornings. These reflection moments that we're doing here in a minute, they're not just so that we can, we can, we can just say, you know, I, I took a good five-second nap. We're healing our souls. That's why we come here. That's why we go to a small group. That's why we fellowship with believers, because our souls are being healed in those times. That's why we go to God and we commune with God, because our souls are being healed. That's the hospital for sick people. That's what we need to be doing. And as we allow that to settle in, to creep in on inside, I mean, God, Jesus is infusing us all on the inside. He's giving us the antibiotic from the disease. And so then what will we do? Verse 22. And here's the peace they resist on. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. He's given you the ability to live the word out. That's why he's greater than sin. That's why he's greater than missing the mark. Because when God sees Jesus, he sees righteousness. And as we do and as we follow Jesus, he sees Jesus' righteousness in us. It's for our sake. It's for our sake. 
Listen. The cross was sufficient. It's not Jesus plus one. It's not Jesus and uh, some other stuff. Like, it's the cross was enough. Stop beating yourself up because of the sin that you can't seem to get yourself away from. The cross was enough. Listen, we're going to reflect on this for a moment, and then we're going to come back and take communion together. And so this is what I want you to do before we take communion. I want you to place Jesus before you. And what I mean by that, I I want you to think on his sacrifice, the crown of thorns, the cross, the beatings across his back were for the purpose of you to not have to turn your back on God. God turned his back on Jesus so that we could draw close to him. So that we could draw close to him. Somebody needs to hear this morning. That thing that you're wrestling with, that thing that keeps you from getting close to God is in your head. It's in your soul. It's not real. So as we wrestle, we need to see the concept of grace. Listen, we sin because we want to sin. And if we don't have the ability to not do the things that we don't want to do, then it's because we're that sick. And we need to get back to Jesus ASAP. Paul talked about this all in Romans chapter 7. He says, the things I want to do, I don't end up doing. And so he said, who will save me from this body of sin? He said, thank God for Christ. Who will rescue me from this back and forth tussle with sin? He said, Christ has already done so. And so I believe what Paul was saying is when I find myself in these situations, when I'm wrestling with something, man, my, my, my soul is sick. I'm bad at being sick. I really am. I'll be trying to do stuff and, 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 and all up on a ladder, cough. My wife like, come down. Because listen, as I'm exerting myself and moving on while I'm sick, my body doesn't have the necessary things that rest will do for me for me to get better. And so we have to recognize that we're sick. We just sit still for a moment and let God do what God, only God can do in the midst of our trials. And so for some of us, we might have to rest for longer because the thing that's inside of us is deeper. It's deeper rooted. We haven't been close to God in a really long time. Maybe I'm talking to somebody here this morning and you haven't had any intimate time with God in the last month. Two months, three months, four months. Maybe some people in the room, never. Don't let your soul die on the vine. So place God before you and the sacrifice he's done. Talk to him about drawing closer to him. Getting back to where you know you should be with him. And then I'll come back and lead us in communion. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.